Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Well, Halloween's almost here. I'm starting to get in that spirit. I've been in that spirit for the past three weeks at least. <laughs> I really I really do get excited about this time of year, even though I'm not even that huge in the whole costume thing. I mean, I like wearing costumes. No. Have you carved any pumpkins yet? No, we haven't carved any pumpkins yet, but we have taught Adeline, my daughter, who is just over a year. Uh, she can kind of say pumpkin. It's more like this, or like pumpkin. But she can recognize Aww. it. If you say, like, where's the pumpkin, she'll That's she cute. point to it. I have not carved a pumpkin yet. Oh, well, if you were going to carve a pumpkin, what, what kind of thing would you carve? Probably just a very primitive looking face with sharp angles. <laughs> yeah. My, <laughs> the usual basic thing. Yeah, I am the worst. Every time I like carve a pumpkin, I just don't have that particular <laughs> skill. Like my dad was really gifted at carving a pumpkin. He'd make, oh. He could make it look like a piece of art. And when I cool. do it, it looks like a, a piece of something, not art. So you're not, are you, you got to make a little baby pumpkin for Adeline though. She does have That'd a little, she does have a little baby pumpkin, but I don't know if we're going to carve it yet. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't got that. So no, but the, uh, the Halloween spirit is here. Uh, I see people starting to get their costumes ready out there. Yeah. The, the haunted history tours are in absolute full swing. Wendy, you were teaching yes. people about the haunted history of Waukesha on Friday night, were you not? I was, and it was one of the best tours I've had yet. Hey, that's good. Very uh, enthusiastic crowd, and we had the perfect night for it. It was an ideal fall evening. We even walked over the crunchy leaves as we were skirting around Waukesha. Oh, that's so, fun. But it, yeah. I was, uh, I was walking in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and telling haunted stories on Friday night. And a funny thing cool. is, Wendy, one of, the, one of the places that has haunted stories is right next to a club we played at in Lake Geneva. Oh, champions! Yeah, so champs, champs, and <laughs> champs. The store next door is it has haunted <laughs> stories. Well, I wish we would have known that back when we were there playing. I know, because because the thing is, all of the businesses on that block are connected underneath by tunnels. Oh, cool! And so, I mean, that's always it's always the story in any of these towns. So, if you guys out there in podcast land, the area we live in is, uh, you know, about 150 miles away from from Chicago. And the cities we were just talking about, Waukesha, Lake Geneva, are, you know, 60 to 80 miles away from from Chicago. And so they say that during the 1920s, during the Prohibition era, that gangsters would come up to Wisconsin and that would be their getaway. They would come up for vacation. And then there's always tunnels underneath these businesses that they say were the gangster getaways. That's right. Where they would also use those tunnels to get the booze <laughs> right. up. That, right. That's how they'd sneak the booze in. And then if there was going to be a raid, you could use the tunnels to get away from the downtown area and out toward the lake. And of course, ghosts love to hang out in those tunnels. Right, Mike? Right. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> so <laughs> That's where, I mean, I would think it'd be a great place to hide. So there are tunnels underneath uh, these particular businesses where I was at Friday night. Now, do I know if Al Capone had ever walked in those tunnels? No, but the way people talk about Al Capone in Wisconsin, I don't think he spent any time in Chicago at all during Prohibition. Really? No, I just think every, that people just use that as a name. They're like, oh yeah, well, Al Capone used to hang out here. Really? Like... <laughs> 
Oh yeah, he was yeah. one guy. He couldn't have gotten everywhere. So that I think just insert name of famous gangster here. But anyway, so that was fun. So we both had a little bit of Halloweeny stuff uh, this weekend, and then Saturday I went to go see a live podcast perform. And how was that? That sounds really fun. We've done that before. We have done that before, but our audience wasn't quite the uh, eight hundred people that. <laughs> So, so that's my aspiration. So we can do a live yeah. podcast. There's 800 people laughing at all our dumb jokes. <laughs> but the, these jokes weren't dumb. The podcast is called My Favorite Murder. They were excellent. And um, they do true crime. So they talk about true crime. And they're like both comedian and theater people. So they can talk about it and tell some jokes and, and have some fun. And it was in the Orpheum, which is a super haunted building in Madison, Wisconsin. There's a ton of ghost stories. And so it was fun. So I got to share some of the ghost stories with them. Uh, because my friend was along with them on their tour. So they get to do it, and they picked a book written by a three-time guest on our show to talk about this weekend. Really? Yeah. Three times? Yes, the Poison Widow, Linda Godfrey. Linda Godfrey is not the Poison Widow. What? Linda Godfrey's not the Poison Widow. (laughs) Yeah, that was a weird setup. (laughs) But she wrote a book called The Poison Widow. It was about this true crime that happened, and she talked to the people who were relatives, and this is a local Wisconsin crime, a woman that tried to poison her children, and that's what they used it. So when they were talking about, it was a book by someone named Linda Godfrey, I'm like, what? I got all, I, went, I went crazy. I went ballistic. You know, I was like, yeah. Of course, Linda, yeah. Linda. That's awesome. So Very that, exciting. So that really was a treat. It's nice just to see the, the worlds of the weird all kind of interconnect into the same kind of thing. <laughs> Yes. And so, anyway, so, so that was really fun. And then we had a show yesterday, and uh, we had a chance to perform yesterday, and we had a good time. Yeah, at the historic Paoli Mill, where yeah. the Hop Garden now resides, and where we've played several times outdoors. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't the most beautiful of days yesterday, so we played indoors and up in the loft, which was way more fun than I yeah expected. No, I, I thought it was gonna be pretty rough, and it ended up being really cool. And I think the worst thing about yesterday was that the Packers lost like in the middle of our, sh- oh, in the middle of our show and yeah. we try even tried that to play a heartbreaker a, we tried to play a packers song to rally the team and we did. obviously brett hunley and his team didn't hear it uh <sighs> didn't hear we gotta it. be louder next time they allowed us to hear it all the way in lambeau field so right. you know uh speaking of music and and weird stuff though one of my favorite musicians from the 1990s he might be one of my favorite musicians ever he came out with a paranormal story of his own and you guys, unless you've been living under a rock for the past week, you might not have heard that Billy Corgan was on the Howard Stern show and talked about a strange experience he had with a shapeshifter. Now, now Wendy, you're a huge so cool. you're a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan too, aren't you? Oh yeah, I mean, I was back in the day. I guess I I lost a little bit of interest um, after the '90s ended. Right. No, actually, in the 2000s. That's when I started waning interest. But yeah, during Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness release that era i was really 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 into them and i got all into their back catalog and everything went and saw them live and they're they're a fantastic band you know i i'm thinking i'm thinking about it and uh i remember the first time i heard off the siamese dream album and i'd heard their name before because they were a chicago band and gish uh some of my friends had gish and so this album's really cool and I'd heard him before, but I hadn't really had to take a listen to him. And then I heard Cherub Rock on the radio. And if you guys don't remember Cherub Rock, it's the one that kind of says like, it's like a sweet, like a guitar's build up and the drums, like the snare hits and explodes into this sweet riff. And I heard that and I was like, what is this song? I loved it. It sounded like, I. it reminded me of like Brian May from Queen 
and <laughs> but the there's like there was a certain kind of sonic thing to it where the the guitar is like there was always this like a like a chainsaw buzz and the distortion like there was there was always something interesting in guitars going on and i just rem- yeah. remember uh like driving down my you know little small town street and i just started rocking my pants off right there yeah i that's awesome I always liked on Gish there was that cover of uh, Fleetwood Mac landslide. Oh, that I thought that was on Pisces Iscariot. Oh, whoops! Yeah, I was on that. Got my albums mixed up, and but still, when I heard that, it's just Billy Corgan singing it with a nice little gentle guitar. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, this is pretty cool, like different kind of cover. So I like that, but I also like I really I mean the driving drums and everything. Yeah, and well, that and uh, he just has a certain kind of voice. So if, if you guys aren't familiar with the Smashing Pumpkins, or maybe they were either before or after your time. Uh, their big songs are, Today is the greatest day I've ever known. Some of you have heard that. Or you've heard the, uh, the disarm. The killer in me is the killer in you. You know, like, you know that song. And uh, Or that's what I think of from Siamese Dream, but probably you've heard that Tonight Tonight or 1979. You've heard a Smashing or- Pumpkins song. Bullet with butterfly wings. Oh yeah, but despite all my rage, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. And Mike, I can't believe we missed possibly what could have been the best transition ever in the podcast. What's that? Because we were talking about carving pumpkins, and now we're talking about smashing pumpkins. Holy crap! I didn't even think about that. Yeah, (laughs) right. So anyway, uh, that would have been slick, but we are not very slick today. At least I'm not feeling very slick today. But so, I mean, obviously, Smashing Pumpkins named after uh, that thing where people would go around. They'd smash jack-o'-lanterns. Don't do that. That makes you a jerk. Like playing mailbox baseball or whatever. Oh, it's, yeah. Or ding-dong ditch. Well, ding-dong ditch is, is a little more harmless than, <laughs> right? Like they, Yeah, of course. You're out. not damaging property or something, but yeah. still annoying. Yeah, well, totally annoying. And, but people love to do tricks, and this is the time of the year to do it. So pe- this, this is the perfect time to be talking about smashing pumpkins. So uh, Billy Corgan, first of all, he's always been a very sensitive character. Don't you think? <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, so I saw them in 1994. I saw them on the last date of the Siamese Dream Tour. And there's a band called The Frogs that opened up from there from Milwaukee. And The Frogs are a super weird band. Like one guy's in a full dragon costume, like a homemade style. Like, <laughs> so awesome. And, <laughs> and they were the, the frogs weren't on the um, they weren't on the uh, the bill. So we didn't know they were playing, but they're all all these alternative people. They're all friends, you know, from the alternative rock movement at the time. And Billy Corgan's like, oh, you know, the frogs open the show. They're from Milwaukee. It's going to be great. And they were interesting to say the least. But like twenty minutes in, people were like, "What the hell is this?" They were booing and what stuff. What is going on? Bad for this Oh band. no! You know, because oh. this this guy comes out in like a full like wings, you know, dragon <laughs> wings and stuff, and they're playing these weird kind of folk rock songs. That's so cool. Yeah, but it was awesome that Billy Corgan had him do that. When I saw uh, Pearl Jam a year later, the guys from the Frogs guested on a couple of their tracks when they played Marcus Amphitheater too. Guested on a couple of live things. So I think that was awesome that they were trying to help out their friend's band from Milwaukee. And, Definitely. You know, get them to open the show because the Siamese Dream is when the Smashing Pumpkins just exploded huge. Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, I, I heard it, uh, that album was awesome. Today was a huge hit. Um, Disarm was a huge hit. I mean, and then that led to Melancholy and Infinite Sadness, which was even bigger. But 
you know, the fact that they would still remember their friends. I'm like, oh, that must be, they must be cool guys. <laughs> but Billy Corgan, though, he, <laughs> like, he was a little bit whiny to the audience. In his defense, somebody threw a shoe at him. Oh, come on. That's so rude. Somebody did throw a shoe. And then another person threw a shoe. And as soon oh, as... Oh, man. Right, it was raining shoes. It was raining shoes. Like, like That's a, a big item to throw, though. I mean, you kind of need your shoes to get home. Right. It <laughs> seems to me... And, and this is the Eagles Ballroom in Milwaukee, and which has got plenty of stories in its, its own right. We talked about the Eagles Ballroom because uh, that's the place where some people still think that they see the ghost of Buddy Holly. In the Eagles ballroom. All right, yeah. But uh, I didn't see any ghosts there that night. I just saw Billy Corgan get pelted with some shoes. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why people were doing it. And he's just like, if you're going to, th- we're, we're not going to play any more songs if you keep throwing shoes. Stop throwing the <laughs> shoes. And he's just, you know, swearing at the audience and stuff. But they came back since this was the last night in their tour. They did like four encores because they would just, you know, because it was almost a hometown show for them because they're only from Chicago, not too far south, and there were a lot of people from Chicago who were at the show, so they really they really gave it their all in, in a kind of night. It was a really special show. Awesome. Um, even, with the, even with the shoe flinging. Uh, but Billy Corgan's just a real sensitive guy, you know, and you could tell that when he's like, stop throwing shoes. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's always been this, you know... Uh, you know, and, and now it's kind of hard because like sometime between, I don't know, 1994 and 1996, he started shaving his head, right? He starts going bald. Sure. Yeah. It's a natural thing to do. I mean, makes sense. And he's a, he's, he's a real tall guy. And so he starts looking like a, like he's going to be more, like, like you think of a monk is going to, you know, how look because the bald, the, the kind of thing. And so Billy Corgan just loses his hair before Malachi and the Infinite Sadness. And uh, that already made him look like, you know, like a new age kind of character. <sighs> and, and, and so he has a, that aura about him. I always think of him as having that classic. Yeah, you know, definitely. Uh, or that he's more enlightened than you. And I mean, <laughs> he's written great enough songs to sell like 35 million albums. So he's certainly, I believe, more enlightened than me. But um, he just has that look about him. So when he starts talking about these weird paranormal events that happen to him, it automatically gives more credence to me because I was like, oh, yeah, well, he always looked so spiritual. So uh, <laughs> he's on Howard Stern last week, and Howard Stern is, is joking with him that he's made appearances on Alex Jones's show. All right. And we've talked about Alex Jones on this show, you know, a hundred times. <laughs> yes, we have. Because Alex Jones always has the, the, the newest, the latest in conspiracy theories coming out. And, um, you know, I have people in my, uh, in my own family who are Alex, big Alex Jones fans. I'm not talking about Allison. She's not a big Alex Jones fan, but, um, who are conspiracy, who like, who listen to Alex Jones and like, he is dead on. Let me tell you what Alex Jones knows something because the Illuminati is trying to control our population. You know, blah, blah, blah. Start with the guns, blah, blah, blah. But Billy Corgan's hanging out on the Alex Jones show. (laughs) <laughs> and talking about the, you know, how the media is a conspiracy and, and all this kind of stuff. And I was listening to prep for this podcast. I was listening to some of the, the episodes and he doesn't really say anything too crazy. Uh, Billy, uh-huh. Cor- Billy Corgan doesn't. But okay. he just kind of he just kind of goes along. You know, he's just like, yeah, you know, the uh, I definitely think there's something that there's a narrative being there's a narrative being supplied 
And he goes, I don't know if it's the government, I don't know if it's the people in control of media, but there's a narrative being supplied. And if you aren't part of that narrative, they shut you up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's Blake Corgan talking on the Alex Jones show. And he actually, (laughs) he sounds very, um, you know, people always make him, you know, he doesn't sound crazy at all. He sounds, he sounds very measured and uh, not like a nutcase at all. So then he's on Hmm. Hart Stern last week and he's releasing a new album, Ogallala. It's the name of the album. And it's recorded by um, Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin is the guy that he records like the early Beastie Boy stuff, big and Def Jam, like in New York hip hop. He is one of the guys that really helped hip hop take off in, in the 80s. And now he's uh, now he's kind of going back and all these older like music stars. He helps them return to like their acoustic sound. So, right. so remember the Johnny Cash Hurt song that yep. was big? Oh, so awesome. Right. He uh, he produced that album for Johnny Cash or all the uh, Johnny Cash American recordings. And he's done this for a bunch. So now he's producing Billy Corgan's latest album. Rick Rubin's another like spiritual guy. And he kinda, he's got the beard for it too. He's got like the guru beard. <laughs> but he talks about meditating and yeah. everything. And, and so oh, I can imagine yeah, right. him, him, him and Billy having a meditate off or whatever in the studio yeah. <laughs> to see which one of them can be more mellow. Getting zen in there. Right. So he's uh, Billy Corgan. and uh, Oh, actually, he likes to use the name William Patrick Corgan now is how he's changed. He's all grown up. Well, and... No more Billy. Yeah, Aww. no more Billy. Well, he, he explained it pretty well. He's just like, well, I've been Billy for a long... He's trying to maybe separate his persona a little bit. And he's like, it's not that big of a deal. I just wanted to go by William Patrick Corgan. Because I've you know yeah. I haven't done it before. Okay. That's my name. I'm like okay, sure. That's I can respect that. Like, he doesn't always sound yeah. reasonable, but that was I'm like okay, <laughs> okay, Patrick Corgan. But we're still gonna call you Billy Corgan because that's how we know you. And so uh, Howard Stern's you know ragging him about Alex Jones, and a- Alex Jones has been on the Howard Stern show too. I listened to the episode, and when Alex Jones was on Howard Stern's show, he did sound like a maniac. Kind of. I mean, he was just like, yeah. they followed me in here, you know, in the hotel. He's talking about the surveillance on him and stuff. Um, and Alex Jones, to me, seems like the kind of guy that you don't need to surveil him. Like, he's <laughs> on the radio every single day. He's <laughs> yeah. he's on his Facebook and stuff, doing Facebook Lives. and you know, he, Or he's got videos when he walks into hotel rooms, like, this is where they are hiding the cameras. He self-surveils himself yeah, he self-surveils. and shares it with everybody. So, like, I don't think you really need to track Alex Jones. You just go to his Twitter and see what he's up to. And I do find him extremely entertaining. In fact, we tried to, uh, last time we were in Austin, I was trying to get us to, to meet with him to be able to do a quick, oh, like, a podcast. That would have been so cool. Right, because it'd just be like, all right, Alex, let's talk reptilians. And that's what Howard Stern, because Howard Stern is like, so you and Alex talk about reptilians or whatever? And Billy Corgan's like, well, I saw something. And this is funny because they have the they have the recording of it uh, in the on all the sites they have a SoundCloud link to the recording of it. But the other thing is is that when you're looking for Billy Corgan shapeshifter, there's got to be a hundred different sites that have picked up this story. So this might be the best sales that Billy's had for an album in 20 years <laughs> because uh, of this huh. shapeshifter that he talks about in Howard Stern, and he's like. Not to add, these are the quotes, not to add to the conspiracy, but I've had paranormal experiences in my life that sort of lend itself into that category. Let's just say I was with somebody once and I saw a transformation I can't explain. 
And Howard's like, this person transformed into something other than human? And Billy says, yes, I saw it. I was totally sober. Imagine you're doing something and suddenly you turn around and there's somebody else standing there. It's hard to explain without going into detail. I'd rather not do it. Uh, and Howard's like, Where, did they say they were from another planet? And he goes, they wouldn't explain. It's a really messed up story. I'm being vague on purpose. <laughs> it's up there with one of the most intense things I've ever been through. Wow. Well, first of all, bravo to him for admitting it and telling the story, right? If it is true, in yeah. fact. Or, you know, at least sharing what he witnessed, even if he imagined it or hallucinated it. Like, it takes some cojones to tell a story like that on the air, right? Yeah, right. Because you're basically saying to people, um, and, and, even, and Billy Corgan knows about the internet, knows about how the internet journalism works. He complains about that in the Alex Jones show. He complains about clickbaiting, you know, about how cl- clickbait works. And he just gave everybody the biggest clickbait story they could ask for, you know, by saying that he saw a shapeshifter right. reptilian. And he goes on to say that uh, he was being vague on purpose because he fears for his career and the well-being of his loved ones. And the next quote is, demons exist. They are real. They are reptilian. That's why the Bible says Eve was seduced by a snake. Substitute reptile for snake. And the thing is, he then goes to say it was a record industry executive who was the shapeshifter. He doesn't, he's not going to say that who the executive is, but he said oh, somebody man. who was working in the music industry that was the shapeshifter. And he goes, I, well, can't, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something along the lines of, all humans will suffer in unending agony. Well, that's ominous. Yeah. And also the fact that the record industry person is a lizard or whatever. Right. That's <laughs> That just seems... A, that's a little too believable, actually. Right. right. Oh, wait, you mean somebody that works in the music industry is... Uh, a reptilian only out there to take advantage and it, hurt humans. Right. Hmm. Or a demon or some kind of evil entity. Imagine that. Yeah, surprise, surprise, William. Uh, <sighs> everything in me shook. My neck and head were rattled and my bones, muscles, and organs, including my brain, were literally sore for days. I was so mad. I was really ready to kick his butt. Humanity is not taking this anymore. We are waking up. We are through with this program. In every civilization on earth, all throughout the ancient world, the snake men are mentioned. Although I can understand why someone wouldn't believe what I'm saying, it's hard to talk about. I didn't believe either until I was standing face to face with one of them. Oh, man. Yeah. So he straight up, I mean, basically admitted uh, that he saw a reptilian in real life and he's ready to take him on. Now, Billy Corgan's kind of a tall guy, but I I still don't think he's going to be able to take on a snake man. He does have a badass kind of scary look to him, though, too. He does. But, and yeah, you, you would need special kind of like training to take on a shape-shifting reptilian. Yeah, an alien. I, just to me, he's like, man, I was really mad. We're not gonna, Humanity's not going to take this anymore. All right, Billy. I'm, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, I mean, he just went out and said it. And that wasn't the only thing he said during that interview, too. There's one of the tracks on Ogallala that's called Zoe. And it was kind of like a, a tribute of sorts to David Bowie, who, who who passed away last year. And so David Bowie and Billy Corgan, they weren't like buds, but they knew each other and they were on the same record label. And then uh, when David Bowie had his 50th birthday party, he asked Billy Corgan to uh, play all the young dudes with him. Oh my gosh, so, could you imagine that? No, I can't imagine because I would just go, <sighs> I, I would go ape. I'd be like, oh my God, I'm playing all the young dudes with David Bowie at his birthday party. <laughs> right. Exactly. Holy crap. Yeah, so he got to do it. And and then 
Billy asked, well, why, why did you pick me to uh, sing that song? And their boy's like, um, there's a, there's a guy named Billy in the lyrics. <laughs> and that was about, that was about as deep. That's as why you picked him. Oh yeah. man. That's like such a, like, th- gee, thanks for the honor. <laughs> yeah. I just thought, you know, it's in the, you know, the words, but either way they did have a couple of good, nice moments together. And you know, Billy said that he just didn't want to be a fanboy, and then he would talk to him anything but music, books, mm. movies. He would try to not to talk to him about music because he didn't want to be like, "Oh my god, I love you so much." You know, David Bowie. <laughs> oh my god. But he said that when he wrote the song Zoe. Now we also get spelled so Zoe Z O W I E. And we should also be clear that uh, Z- looks like Zowie. Yeah, like Zowie, but like Bowie. Right. But the reason I know that. Uh, it said Zoe is because that's what him and his ver- David Bowie and his first wife they named their son Zoe Bowie. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the cruelty just right. continues. So you wonder why that guy eventually changed his name <sighs> to Duncan Jones and not Zoe Bowie. <laughs> but Duncan Jones is—I mean—he's a fabulous artist in his own right. He directed Moon, which is an awesome movie. He directed mm. the uh, Warcraft movie, which is not an awesome movie. And he also did Source Code, which I think is a, a really uh, a film that not enough people have seen, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. And it's uh, like one of those time loop movies. Oh, cool. But it's, it's one of the best, you know, I love The Twilight Zone. And so it's just one of those best remi- <laughs> movies that reminds you of the way that we construct a really excellent Twilight Zone episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, so Source Code, Duncan Jones, Zoe Bowie. Uh, anyway, Billy Corgan writes the song Zoe, and he goes, when I was writing the song, the opening chord sequence reminded me of like the kind of chords David would use. He'd do a lot of weird inversions. He was just in the air, so he kind of rode shotgun with me when I was writing that track. So, ah, yeah, Billy Corgan. I wish David Bowie would ride shotgun with me when I'm working on a song. Absolutely. Gosh, imagine that. Yeah, I mean, I would take even somebody that's not even very famous or even that good. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, can the collaborator? Guy, can whoever wrote "I Want Candy"? Maybe he can work. You know, I would. I, he can be in the room. That's fine with me. Hey, it's catchy. It is catchy, but I'm not saying it's not. You know, "I Want Candy" isn't necessarily brilliant. Let's say it's not life on Mars. Yeah, it's I not gotcha. life on Mars. Right. So I was. I was interesting. So like Billy Corgan, he's hanging out with Alex Jones. He's talking about shape-shifting aliens he's talking uh about david bowie's like spirit being with him in the studio um billy corgan i want to hang out with billy corgan now yeah yeah i do even though i'd like to even though like i gotta say looking at this article saying a brief history of billy corgan losing his oh gosh darn mind so cruel like he does have a history of being what we said he was very sensitive before obviously about being pelted with shoes yeah but he's also, you know, he's also sensitive about relationships. I mean, Billy Corgan used to, before, before Courtney Love dated Kurt Cobain, Billy Corgan was her boyfriend. Now, can you, can you imagine like going on a double date with Billy Corgan and Courtney Love? <laughs> that would be no. awesome. Wait, yeah, that would be awesome. Right. You know, you'd have stories for the rest of your life to tell people. You'd have you'd have more stories from like the pre-dinner drinks than you have, you know, <laughs> from true. weeks with other people. Just man, and, and so, 
they actually they got they dated again in like 2009 too like 20 some years after they originally dated wow yeah and I gotta say uh, Billy Corgan like goes off on like this this <laughs> Twitter rage and I'll, I'll read you this uh-uh. and, and this is why Twitter's a like if you, a lot of people are paying attention to you on Twitter, just got to be careful what you say. You can't, you know, it, it's so tempting to be able to be like, you know what? Screw this guy. I'm just going to say something right yeah. now. And I am the rage tweeter. I don't, <laughs> I usually only tweet at corporations and I'll rage tweet at corporations when I feel like their customer service has wronged. Oh, you do. You're the king of that. <laughs> wronged me in some way. Lately, I've been rage tweeting when Taco Bell is closed because we've been playing a lot. Oh, I, I know. We've been playing a lot in town where we can go, you know, it's like I got to get dinner at the end of the night and Taco Bell's been always closed lately. And there's nothing worse than being super hungry and having that like, oh yeah, I'm going to get some fourth meal and then pulling up to the drive-thru and the lights are off. Right. Oh, so cruel. And the lights are off at like 1130. And you're like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? What What's happening to our, our world? So, yep. so Billy Corgan just goes, this is 2010, and he just goes off on Courtney Love. He's like, only you could abandon such a beautiful, incredible child who is smarter than you, cooler than you, and better than you. Oops, did I say too much? Thought number one, my face is my face. My heart is my heart. My money is my money. Oh, and my songs are my songs. And if you can't write your own songs? Thought number two, if you can't write your own songs, maybe you should just be happy that you fooled someone into doing your work for you. Or thought number three, maybe you should go somewhere nice and live off your husband's money. You know the money he made for writing all those great songs? Thought number four, when you issue someone an apology on your Facebook page, you might actually meet it and take responsibility for it. But thought number five, the world is aware of your lack of responsibility as seen in the government taking away your parental right. Only you could abandon. And then he goes off to the thing about the kid. Oh, my. Yeah. So, yeah. And Courtney Love, and this is this is a very rare moment that she comes back with a very mature. She's like, all I am is nice about you. So if you want to be mean, be mean but I don't feel anything. And I'm like, wow. So it just, I mean, yeah. that seems to be about the time where it's like Billy Corgan's PR people should call him and be like, you um, need to delete your account right away. Cause he has the account at Billy. <laughs> right. His account is just at Billy. Oh, how did he get that? Wow. He must've signed up really early. Yeah. Well, obviously he's using it all the time. So yeah, just, just at Billy. And so you feel for the guy cause obviously he must have some unresolved issues with Courtney Love. Well, and I remember, Definitely. I remember when Disarm came out, um, Courtney Love said in an interview, like, well, you know, I'm the one that came up with that line, the killer in me is the killer in you. Oh, man. So, because that, that song is about like his like strained relationship with his parents. And so that's the idea, okay. the killer in me is the killer in you because we both come from the same place kind of thing. So mm. Courtney's like, that was my line. And I remember him like just in an interview, like on MTV News or something being like, what, she's lying. But that, <laughs> that, I mean, that's just a funny thing. Like those, you know, that they have a little feud. And, and before, you know, you maybe take that beef out at a party or when you see somebody out yeah. or something. And now <laughs> you just do it on the internet at like four o'clock Publicly. in the morning. Oh. And uh, you're, you're breaking my heart, Billy Corgan. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you see him out like he, he dated uh, Attila Tequila. <laughs> like, and that's a really weird, like, is Billy Corgan going out with Tila Tequila? Okay, and give us the background on her because oh yeah, okay. I don't think that's a household name. I guess not. I guess not. Okay, so Tila Tequila, there used to be a thing called MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
Tila Tequila was like the besides Tom, the person who started MySpace and was everybody's friend. Like Tila Tequila was like the most popular person on MySpace, and she's like that. Um, you know, in the, in the Kardashian sense, she's famous for being a cute girl or something. Like doesn't have a particular skill of her own, even though she did release an album and uh, played at the uh, Insane Clown Posse event the gathering at the juggalos tila tequila play at in infamously. oh fun <laughs> it was it wasn't fun because people were throwing like people like they no it sounds like a nightmare yeah. those get ugly yeah uh, from what i hear so she has a uh a vh1 reality show you know she's saying crazy things in the news about um well that's not about conspiracies and stuff like so tila okay. tequila has even said her own stuff about conspiracies and there's some there's like racist stuff in there and everything and you're like oh uh, this is not a wise way to stay relevant, Tila. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you think like maybe where could she get some of that conspiracy stuff? Billy Corgan. Well, I don't know if it's Billy Corgan, but the fact that uh, like they seem to be from such different worlds, like he's from Mars and you know, she's from California, but that's another thing. Like how did Billy Corgan show up here? And how does he you know, stay in the spotlight by like saying outrageous things? He also, he bought a pro wrestling company. Like Billy Corgan is such a huge <laughs> fan of wrestling that he bought the NWA and the NWA was a really popular wrestling association when I was a kid. I did. I was more of a w, hmm. WWF fan, but Billy Corgan obviously was a, an NWA fan. And so he bought the wrestling <laughs> federation. So now Billy Corgan owns a wrestling federation. Wow. Huh. And that's one thing. And I'm looking at this article about you know Billy Billy Corgan losing his mind. And one of the things they missed, which I don't see how they even missed it, was that Anderson Cooper. You know who Anderson Cooper is from CNN? Oh yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> that's Silver Fox, Anderson Cooper. That's exactly. Uh, so Anderson Cooper makes fun of Billy Corgan because Billy Corgan did the cover of a Chicago like Humane Society paper or magazine called Pause. And it's got like a picture of him with his cats. Oh and, my goodness. Yeah, right. So Billy Corgan's on the cover. Anderson Cooper makes fun of him. And Billy Corgan goes nuts. Tweeting at him. You know, you're just a, cor- yeah. you're a corporate shill. You know, when he was talking about he hates the media. And Alex Jones, they talk about how the media, like you're, if you don't uh, ascribe to the narrative that they're trying to push or whatever, then you're out. And so he's like saying these things about Anderson Cooper. And then he starts selling on his website, F Anderson Cooper t-shirts. Wow, that's extreme. Like he goes for it, <laughs> you know? And Yeah, the, oh my goodness. And, and the pause thing actually I thought was kind of cute because he's just with cats and it's for the Humane Society. So it's, it's like, oh, like, he's a human too. There's nothing wrong, I think, with trying to help the Humane Society. No. And showing that you do regular person things. Right. That you have you you like kitties just like the next guy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just funny that, you know, Anderson Cooper busts on him and then Billy Corgan's like he takes it to the next level. He's like, All right, we're making these shirts and selling them and you're like, What what are you doing? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> what are you wow. doing? Yeah. So he's got a reputation for doing things a little, you know, off off the deep end. And like when they asked him about uh how he feels about was nine eleven an inside job? And that's when you see that bumper sticker. Nine Eleven was an in, is an inside job or whatever. It's always there's always an Infowars bumper sticker like right oh, next always, to like, always yeah, Alex Jones. totally. Um, and he's like, oh, I don't know. That question is above my pay grade because I'm not an expert in like steel construction and stuff. So 
Um, yeah, he's obviously spending a good deal of time on the internet and checking out these conspiracy theories. And I guess I would believe it too if I saw a shape-shifting reptilian. Hmm. You know, think about it. Like we're talking about Billy Corgan like he's crazy, but he's the guy that has, he's actually seen something to back it up. You know, I've never seen a shapeshifter. Billy has. Right. Well, hey, another thing I was thinking about, Billy Corgan is from Chicago. Mm-hmm. What's been happening in Chicago lately? Oh, yeah. The Mothman. I mean, not, you know, not saying that's what he saw, but some strangeness. Right. No, that's that's great. What if Billy Corgan, what if that record executive he saw was the Chicago Mothman? Right. Could be. No, and he does. And he he's still a Chicago guy. Like he's got a little tea shop. Um, called like oh. Madame Zuzu's. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's got a little little tea shop. He was at Madame Zuzu's one time, and he did a eight hour ambient musical performance inspired by a reading of uh, the novel Siddhartha. Do you ever read Siddhartha? No. It's a 1920s German novel by this guy named Hermann Hesse, or Hermann Hesse. Okay. And uh, I read it a few years ago, and it's just one of those like. Somebody, a nobleman becomes a beggar and achieves enlightenment after becoming like a poor guy, a, a ferryman. I see. Like he's someone that has everything and goes through the journey to have nothing and realizes how, um, well, you, th- the best things in life are free. I mean, I guess that's a, that's a, that's a really dumb way to put like a really powerful book. Be like, you know what? The best <laughs> things in life are free. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Now I don't have to read it. Thanks for the synopsis. <laughs> there you go. And, you know, like Sting wrote a song inspired by Siddhartha. A lot of Pete Townsend wrote a song inspired by Siddhartha. Hot Water Music. I didn't know the Hot Water Music. Wow. They did. They were, they were a punk band from uh, Florida that I really like. Oh, the guy from Jack's Mannequin wrote a song about Siddhartha. So, like, it's one of those books that just has inspired a lot of people. And so Billy Corgan thought I could inspire him, too. For, yeah. Right. For eight hours of him, like, messing around with a keyboard at his uh, tea shop in Chicago. And that's a, it's the kind of story, um, it's set in the time of the, the Buddha, Prince Gautama. So it's set in the time of the Buddha in you know, India. And so it has that kind of, uh, well, mystical and spiritual kind of thing to it, that Eastern Asian mystical kind of thing set with the you know, time of the Buddha. So Billy Corgan, just, he's, he's not afraid to write about this stuff. He's obviously not afraid to talk about it. And the thing is, now he's going to get questions about this shapeshifter at every single event he's going to do forever. Or people are going to dress up like reptilians and go to his shows. If you think about putting a big lizard mask on and going to a show. Oh, man. Yeah. That's what we should do. We should go to Billy Corgan's well, show. We're not that far from Chicago. So maybe next time he does something special like that, we can, like the coffee shop thing. Yeah. Show up in lizard suits. <laughs> Right, and be like, am I the person you saw? But uh, but i got to say that it's it's not only aliens he's into. It's He rants to The Guardian in 2014. And actually, the, this is actually the reason I kind of wanted to do the podcast on Billy Corgan this week. Because when yeah. we first started the podcast, I was looking for stories about musicians who you know, talked about paranormal stuff. And he was super mad that his album from 2014 was only getting three stars. Yeah. And so he was like, I can't believe that everybody's giving me three. He's like, it's not, this is not a three-star record. You you know, you people are jerks. The media is jerks. And he's just, he kind of goes off on it. 
And he's like, I've been in the culture for 25 years and I'm still on the outside. I still don't get my due. I still, you know, he still feels like a loser, even though, even though Billy Corgan is worth now. And I looked up his net worth today. His worth is $50 million. Wow. Yeah. So obviously he's, I'd say he did all right. Yeah. So Billy Corgan is worth 50 Five zero million dollars, <laughs> and he still feels like he's on the outside. Oh, some people just can't win. Yeah, you know? and just the ways like I want to break the system. I want to, you know, I cannot believe that after twenty five years in this business, I'm still dealing with the same effing s. Oh, Newspapers are getting effing jacked. Bloggers in the whole world are effing taken over, and everyone acts like it's still nineteen eighty four. It's not. There are people out in the streets doing some real effing work, and he just. Just gets, wow. get, yeah, he really gets into it. And this is, it seems a little crazy that he's really into the meditation stuff. And then he has that kind of attitude of, you know, that such an aggressive kind of attitude about things. It doesn't right. really align. Yeah. And, and he's just like totally aggressive with this reviewer too. This is for the album Moments to an Elegy. And it's a Smashing Pumpkins album from 2014. And basically by that time, the Smashing Pumpkins are Billy Corgan. It's his band, you know. And he, you know, yeah. he owns the name and stuff. And I think maybe Jimmy Chamberlain played drums on it, but it's not James E. Ha, it's not Darcy. It's just, it's basically the Billy Corgan show. Yeah. And it's funny. He talks about, somebody's like, well, you know, you were talking about the 1990 scene and he goes, how do you feel about like what you've accomplished? And he's like, and Billy Corgan's like, it's irrelevant. <laughs> that era is irrelevant. Wow. How how big are those bands from the 90s now? Are any of those bands in the charts? You know, and (sighs) so the guy in that, when he was writing up the interview, was like, this interview was really a lot more fun than it looked. But he goes, (laughs) but it was very weird. And they ask him about astrology. And he says, I read an old interview with you that was interesting because you talked about your Saturn return. And how that late 20s period can be traumatic for a lot of people, including yourself. And I realized that your next Saturn return is not too far away. So what's that mean? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's an astrological transit when a transiting Saturn planet returns to the same point in the sky that it occupied at the moment of your birth. So your Saturn return then is Saturn's going to be in the exact same spot in the cosmos, at least looking from Earth, that it was when you were born. Oh, okay, cool. And so you know, he's saying it, a lot of time when the Saturn return can be a, a trauma in your life. And so this guy is asking Billy Corgan an astrology question. And Billy Corgan's just like, I hope you and I are never locked in an elevator together because you would either kill me or I will kill you. Wow, so hostile. And the guy's like, dude, I don't even know what's wrong with this question. And William Patrick Corgan says, I think it's just if you sit and talk to someone who understands astrology and mystical arts... The conversation is not, is this real or not? The beauty of God is that you're always in the right place. So if you believe in the stars, and a lot of people do, then you believe that there's a sort of divine wisdom that helps guide you. It's as cyclical as the day and the night, and we accept that without question. So why not accept that bodies that are made of 75% water would be influenced by the gravity of the stars? Okay, Billy. And I'm not an astrology guy. I never, you know, I don't, I don't buy too much of it. But just, it's just funny that, you know, he has this whole thing of like, yeah, he's into astrology. And then a the guy asks him about it. And he's like, if we were locked in an elevator together, I would murder you. Yeah. And then he's... And then he, Doesn't seem like uh, the most socially gifted no. person. No. And it's, and it's, I don't know. And it's too bad. Yeah. So, but 
know, Billy Corgan uh, has a history of loving this paranormal stuff. And now that we know that he's seen aliens, we got to get him on the show and see if we can get him to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. It really is. Yeah. And I mean, I really loved the Smashing Pumpkins. And I, you oh, are the, you loved them too. And didn't we like know a guy who like ran their website or like ran their biggest fan website? Well, when we were in college, like living in the dorms yeah. before there was such thing as fan websites, really. I mean, right. yeah, he had, there was a guy that had one of the original ones, but it was very popular worldwide. So it was cool that he lived in the dorms with us. Yeah. At the time, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And I love the idea that you could be an 18 year old in the dorm room and have something totally be connected together uh, all across the entire world. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Anyway, and so, I mean, obviously, I've seen Smash Pumpkins. I used to wear the t-shirts, uh, own the records, and still am a big fan, and I'm now I am a bigger fan, now that we know that Billy Corgan is obviously one of us. But, you know, the thing is, Tom DeLong though, Tom DeLong talking about aliens does not make me a bigger fan of Blink-182. Huh. I think the difference is talent, and that Billy has a lot, and, and Tom DeLong has, like, three good songs in him. So, that's just me. That third wave of pop punk just didn't do it for me. But so, but it's a fun thing to talk about. And so I think, you know, for the song this week, we were talking about how Smashing Pumpkins was from Chicago. Uh, they recorded the album Gish at Smart Studios here in Madison. Yes. And Smart Studios is uh, the legendary producer, Butch Vig, the guy that did Nirvana's Nevermind and well, Smashing Pumpkins Gish, Smashing Pumpkins Siamese Dream, even though they left the Midwest to record Siamese Dream in Atlanta because the album was already a quarter of a million dollars over budget. Um, <sighs> yeah. And there was like you know, a lot of tension. So they're trying to get away from their friends uh, and their social oh, scene I to see. record, like huh. away from everyone else. When they did that. But no, Smart Studios really was like the, one of the epicenters of the alternative movement because Butch Vig just uh, made awesome sounds. Like just, you know, he was just a, a legendary producer. He's the guy behind Garbage. So if you guys enjoy yes. the band Garbage, you, you've heard Butch One Vig's of my work. favorites, yes. too. And so, and Billy Corgan is featured in this movie called The Smart Studios Story, which is a documentary on the studio. And I recommend you guys go see the Smart Studio story. Billy Corgan does not sound crazy in it at all. Yeah, he's got a lot of airtime in yeah. that documentary. And he's got a lot of wonderful things to say about Madison and Smart Studios. Yeah. So can't badmouth a guy about that. No. Anyway, so when we, it was like a dream to record there. And I remember when we were looking at our first uh, recording, I called up to see how expensive it was. And this is 1996. You know, is when I call up to see how much. So Mike was. sounded like this. I'm like, hey, everybody. And the guy's like, <laughs> how much does it cost? <laughs> That's right. And he's like, uh, well, you know, it's usually about $660 a day. And I'm like, oh, and this is 1997 money, right? Or 1996 money. So, you know, I'm making. And we're college students too at the time. Right. And when I was working, I was making, you know, $8 an hour. Uh, working for the university or something. And so the idea of getting 600 and some dollars a day to be able to record at Smart Studios just was not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but five years later, we were able to record there. And we saved our pennies and uh, eventually got to, and we had a, a really nice local label and we were actually able to record at Smart Studios. And it was, I mean, it was like walking into a fun house with the cool guitars and the, the rigs and the butch's big drum sets just right there. Like, oh, hey, you can use that one if you want. Like, And the experience, at least for me, was transformational. 
yes. getting to work in a, in a real studio that was, you know, professional and had all the highest level equipment. Yeah, it was something else. It was something else. What I loved was that, uh, like, while we were there, Glenn Danzig called to leave a message looking for like he was looking for a mix on his latest album or whatever it's like oh yeah uh glenn danzig called <laughs> like glenn danzig called oh my god <laughs> awesome you know i'm like um uh, can we call him back it really was fanboying out like when billy corgan says if he met david bowie and that that's how i felt when we walked in the smart studios like i yeah blew my mind blew my young music addled mind and so we're working on the recording and we could only, you know, afford like two songs or whatever. So we could afford two days in the studio. And while we were working, the, the engineer at the time, he, he starts giving us like some stories because he'd been there for a long time and he'd, ran assist, he'd done assistant uh, engineering and all these awesome records. And so we were obviously grilling him for cool stories and cool things. And he points out to this certain effect. He's like, oh, yeah, we call this one the pumpkinizer. <laughs> because they use it on all of uh, the Smashing Pumpkins recordings. They use it, and I, and I think the Pumpkinizer is kind of what helped give that some of that really unique... Define the sound. Yeah, some of that really unique sound. And so, you know, we're like, can, can we use the Pumpkinizer? And so this song is called Summer Day, and we recorded it at Smart Studios, and, uh, well, just made me think of the Pumpkinizer. We're talking about Billy Corgan today. Uh, we're going to play you a song record where they did too and this track's called Summer Day
summer day Well nothing is all I'll do and it's all I'll ever be It's all for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Ooh, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Absolutely not, because we have a special message for all of our Patreons, otherwise known as the coolest people in our lives. (laughs) Yes, we do. Now, we've been talking about this for a while, and we're going to have the Halloween movie viewing. We're all going to watch the same movie, and then we're going to talk about it in our next Patreon hangout online. And so what we need from you, Patreons, is your ideas and suggestions for movies that you think would make a good Halloween viewing experience. And you'll be able to check that at othersidepodcast.com slash donate. You go there and you'll see some of the options. And if you're a Patreon, you can go in and uh, throw in your ideas right there. We'll have that up today. And if you're not a Patreon yet, it's not too late to join. Go to that same URL and you can sign up and do some of the fun stuff with us. We also want to give a big, huge Huge shout out to who? Dr. Ned. Dr. Ned's at Dr. the Ned. Patreon level that you get a shout out in every single episode. Ned, thank you for your support. We love you. Thanks, Ned. All of our Patreons, thank you for your support and, and helping us out yes. and letting us do cool you. cool stuff like see on the other side shows and hangouts and talking about weird stuff. And that, that's coming up. Uh, make sure to keep your eyes out for our next hangout, which is coming up. Can, can we use the pumpkinizer?